It never really starts. It never, it never really starts. <laughs> or does it secret? just never end? Well, you know, they've all been com- complaining about the length of the show, but little do they realize that it's really 300 hours long. <laughs> it just never ends. It just never stops. Yeah, we're just going to put commercials between all the sections. I don't know how we're going to do that, but... <laughs> <laughs> Learn all about tennis. Yeah, love and stuff. If you listen, if you listen to uh, KFOG on the internet instead of over the air, yeah, it's different ads. That's weird. And well, there's some legal requirement or something. And one of the ads that they basically on the internet version of KFOG, they have about four ads. And one of them is the United States Tennis Association. It's a great way to get in shape. And it's like, and then some of them they'll run two in a row. They're in the same thing twice. Wow, so it's deja vu all over again? It's like the Tennis Association and some uh, car repair shop and uh, something else. Sounds like a deal. It is. You know, it's like if... From a marketing standpoint. Yeah. Yeah, The the listenership is on radio versus... It's probably like five guys. (laughs) All guys. All guys. Right. Could be a hairy woman. They're all in in love with Renee. (laughs) (laughs) Who isn't... I, yeah, well, well, you know, I was. Uh, no, I'm not. The hairy guy's in love with Dave Moore. He left. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to Beer School. We're here to help you and your friends learn to like more than one kind of beer. There's lots of beers to like. Some beer is made right down the street from where you live. No. And others have to travel halfway around the world just to get to you. Learn why beer tastes like it does, how other styles came about, and all the things that you might. Pair with your beer, or on, even cook with it, or cook with it, or uh, drink with it. Well, <laughs> what do you drink with your beer? <laughs> I drink beer with my beer. Ooh, I drink a beer water. chaser for your beer. Well, could you imagine doing beer with your beer? Well, we'll talk about that in a second. Well, I've done that before. Well, it changes it, right? Definitely it changes both of them. Why not just mix them together? And I've done that too. <laughs> Where was I? <laughs> Make me say homework. <laughs> the best part about beer school is... The homework. <laughs> the homework is beer. All right. Well, um, this is Thanksgiving. It's almost Thanksgiving. We're almost here. Uh, and I have I have fond, weird memories of Thanksgiving, as does everyone. Uh-oh. Uh, green bean casserole made with green beans and uh, frozen green beans and a can of... Campbell's cream of mushroom cream soup. of mushroom soup with uh, sprinkles like potato chips or broken crackers on the top, uh, or those un- fried onion things. That yeah, came the fried. Can. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> not the funyuns. Not no. Those no. Do, those are for eating. I know. <laughs> As opposed to decorating your green bean cranberry in a can, which was still in the shape of the can. Oh yeah, with the ribs on it. Yeah, mm-hmm. it goes <laughs> <laughs> when it comes out of the can. Yeah. Makes that glops out. And uh, 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 what's the other thing? Sweet dry potato. turkey. Yeah, dry turkey. Overly dry turkey, like lumpy where, gravy. Yep, lump, like you know. I what? prefer hot rats. <laughs> hot rats. Hot rats. Get your hot rats. <laughs> yeah. Albatross. What flavor is that? It's bloody albatross. <laughs> Sweet potatoes with uh, marshmallow topping. Oh. It was browns. And now, it, see, my family never went there. I know, but all the others are familiar. That one, I know that one, but no, 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 no. Curry fruit, which actually could be very good, but all the fruit came from cans. I loved mandarin orange slices out of the can when I was a little kid. Well, now you can get them fresh. Like, why would you, you know, the it's little... the little, they come out of a can? 
Tomatoes can grow on trees. <laughs> I think this can's ready. <laughs> um, sausage in the stuffing. Yes. That's one of Motor's favorites. Uh, memories. <laughs> However, it wasn't just stuffing. It was stovetop stuffing. Wow. Oh, this was stuffing stuffing. And um, smashed potatoes, not from smash, but from a box. Chips. Flakes. Yeah. Potato flakes. Potato flakes. So anyway, that's that's kind of like sums up my childhood memories of Thanksgiving. And, and uh, sure glad I'm not in your family. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that we're related. <laughs> well, that's you know, not how I think about Thanksgiving. <laughs> and, I, and I have to say that later on in life, I, um, I, I was uh, talking with my mom. And she she was complimenting me. She's like, "Oh, you turned out to be such a good cook. What what? How did you know? How did you get so good?" And I'm like, "Yep, yeah, mom. I, everything I learned about cooking, I learned from you." <laughs> and then I never finished the sentence, which is what not to do. <laughs> it happens. It happens. Of all those of all those things, the thing that still survives on one of you get a choice yeah. of real cranberries or cranberry stuff out of the can. <laughs> Not on my table. Cranberry stuff out of the can is still there. Ah, yuck. Well, Paxton, thanks for being in the studio with us. I, I know you're, you're like you, so you're in shock still that I've just read the list of lists of you know, <laughs> possibly what's on ninety percent of everyone's Thanksgiving table. I sure hope it's not ninety percent. Oh, I'm hoping if anybody listening to this show will say, "Well, you know what? Actually, I could do something better and make a better turkey." <laughs> Making or, uh, fun of them. <laughs> No, I don't want to make fun of anybody. Well, no, I'm not. I am. I know you don't. Well, that's not how I eat. So, oh, <laughs> <laughs> not that I'm a snob. No, but you know what? There's a uh, there's a thread going on on the BN right now on oh. the Brewing Network forum uh, that was actually throwing you under a bus. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, I guess they should read the forum more often. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, they were they were complaining that there's too many flavors going on. They're like, I don't want to make one of Paxton's beers because it's so complex. <laughs> like, I don't want to taste that many things at the same time. I don't want to try. <laughs> oh, don't make me. <laughs> I'll just hum. Too many instruments give me a headache. I got a couple easy beers on there. On my rest. Um, I think they were complaining list. about um, Saucer Full of Secrets. Well, then, don't make don't it. Don't make it. Right. <laughs> More for me. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> And uh, Monk's Blood, which that recipe's not out yet. Oh, that recipe will never be out. Okay. Just add you figs. You have to buy it in a can. Just add figs. No. <laughs> <laughs> Very different beer, sadly. Uh, it's as complex. Um, it's different. They're yeah. not. It's not the same base. It's it's a very different base. So just so everybody knows who we're talking to, we're talking to Sean Paxton, aka at Homebrew Chef. No, the Homebrew Chef, or on Twitter, I guess. On Twitter, I'm it's at. just Homebrew Chef, right? Yes, yes. And uh, on the real world, it's the Homebrew Chef or homebrewchef.com. Yes, yes homebrewchef.com. And uh, I guess there is no the homebrewchef.com. No. I guess we could get that. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> all those other people. We could like, be wow. the beer school. Oh, please. (laughs) How about just the BS? The BS? Ooh. It's fitting. Okay. Speaking of that. So, uh, speaking of the BS, the uh, guys, and this is backwards, uh, Stone Brewing. Yeah, what are you trying to do to us, John? (laughs) Um, The Stone guys were kind enough to send us a brand new bottle of Double Bastard. What did you call me? Double bastard. Well, <laughs> between the two of you, I'm seeing double bastard. Oh, well, you will be after this class. So, um, 
We're going to rumble. We are. So this is uh, this is something that just came out from Stone. You can probably get it in your stores today. And uh, they were, like I said, they were kind enough to send us a a uh, a bottle of this. Sweet. And so we're going to try it out here. Ooh, it's cold. Thank yeah. you, Greg. Thank you, Doctor Bill. Yeah. Thank you, Steve. Thanks, guys. <laughs> So, uh, so this is a this is something that you might have on your Thanksgiving like. to go with all those wonderful things that you're not having on your table, and that way you can swear at the table and feel okay with it. <laughs> mm. That's very good. I have to say that I like it better than than the normal bastard. I think it does will do well for my cough. Wow. It's a little weak. <laughs> <laughs> Kidding. Kidding. That is multi-goodness. So, um, no, I think this would go very well with uh, Thanksgiving, meal. actually. Yeah, with Thanksgiving. I like I like this, too, because I usually don't like... Uh, nice, malty. Good old bastard. This it's is actually interesting. It's not as... Um, I mean, it's hoppy, but it's it's the the malt is actually a lot more aggressive, but it's not as complex. Yeah, it's actually it's a a lighter grain bill almost like, but then even though it's more, it's not as roasty. It's not, not as like much. That. I just I yeah. I haven't had Aryan Bastard in so long that I can't really. I just know that it's not it's not something that I've been drawn to. Gotcha. But I like this. This is very nice. Very nice. We use the big words on this show to, to describe <laughs> things. I, like I don't like this. the other one, but I like this. Okay, all kids at home now, you know exactly what we're talking about. Well, we've talked- we used up all the, the beer tasting words last week oh with the vertical. With the vertical, <coughs> you had to use all the words last week. Uh, that was a fun, fun time. Thanks for uh, bringing those beers. <laughs> but uh, no, the the thing with with arrogant bastard is that I almost don't like it. Like is it too arrogant for you. Well, it's too arrogant for me. Um, it's. I don't think it's in balance the the way that I like the way that I like. I don't think beer. it's meant to be in balance. No, it's not meant to be in balance. But like for example, the Double Trouble IPA that Twenty One A makes, the um, Promised Land that Magnolia makes, the big the big uh, uh, thing that uh, Moylan's makes, uh, the Hopsicle I think it is, and uh, the other one which is the. Uh, the stuff that uh, well, anyway, there's a lot of big hoppy beers that are that are I don't know in that in this category or that are in the bastard category. <laughs> that uh, I didn't know that there was a category. Well, I think there should be a bastard category. There could be now. <laughs> Somebody should name a big beer like this Uber Thumper because it's really hoppy. <laughs> anyway, I'm just saying that I think out of between this beer and and you know between arrogant bastard and double bastard, I think. This is the better, the better beer. I know. I like the oat bastard a lot. That's a good beer too. That's kind of where I always tend to go, but it's not always out. So, no. Well, this is not always out either. No, it's true. You know, this is a a once a year kind of thing. Once a year. So let's talk about Thanksgiving. Let's talk about Thanksgiving. Let's talk about Thanksgiving. Um, The good news is that you actually have enough time. To plan a little bit ahead, and that actually is pretty critical. I yeah. think to any big feast, I don't know how big all your guys' families and friends are, and depending on how in which you do Thanksgiving. But uh, I spend a lot of time thinking about it because I have to think about it, write about it way in advance, and then execute it for everybody to be able to pull it off. So, so you're the go-to guy. 
You're, you're sort of like the default amongst all the relatives that... Oh, for sure. I mean, <laughs> it's it's actually kind of funny because uh, with my professional chef career, there was one year where we cooked 60 turkeys just for the restaurant. <laughs> and so, I mean, I got really good at cooking turkey. And then that was one year. So multiply that by, you know, eight or nine years and then all the other stuff I've done. I mean, I don't know. I've probably cooked five, 600 turkeys by now. So, Do you ever feel guilty when you're riding up Highway 12 past the turkey ranch by... On the way to I Santa don't. Rosa. I, I don't. You know, those guys. <laughs> Thank God that they're there because let me tell you, <laughs> good stuff. My one time a year where I really loved to do a roasted turkey, but it went actually not too long ago. That was kind of fun. I want. I've never done one. I want to do one just for the hell of it. Of You've never before. roasted a turkey. Never roasted a turkey. I'm really good at roasting chicken. Well, you're close. Yeah, <laughs> it's a little different. It's bigger. <clears throat> and. uh my si- my sister in the family. My sister is the is the go to person for doing uh, doing Thanksgiving. Although actually, she's not doing it this year. But uh, the last two years, she has contemplated getting boneless turkey thighs or bone turkey thighs and doing them wrapped up like a pork loin, like a roasted stuffed pork loin. You can do that, like a roulade. Yeah, that could work. Yeah. She hasn't done it, though. She or, you know, you don't always have to get a whole turkey if there's not a whole bunch of you, and you can always just do a turkey breast. Uh-huh. That's always a nice way to do it, too. Now, we're, I think uh, Thanksgiving is a half dozen of us, and we're doing a whole turkey. Oh. We're going to be up your way. Oh, I'm 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 going to be up in Bend, so I don't know if you're really oh. going to be up in my way. No, I'm not going to be. No. So, so I'll hmm. into the house. We're going to be up Santa Rosa way. Do-do-do-do-do-do. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's funny to me because I I watch people panic about the bird. There's a hotline. There is? There's a turkey hotline. Not a homebrew chef hotline, but there is, you know, if people do have questions, you can Twitter me and I'll be happy to uh, to uh, answer and re- reply back as best as I can in 140 characters. <laughs> <laughs> Go to KFC. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Go to, uh, there's the place over. I'm here all week. <laughs> over in the Mission. Uh, like right by General Hospital where they fry turkey. Well, they'll fry you a turkey. Oh, well. Out in the street. Hey, you know, fried turkey is a good thing. I've not had fried turkey. I'm it not- uh, cooks in about 45 to 50 minutes, depending on the size of the turkey. And let me tell you, it's moist and juicy if you do it right. And you can use your brewing equipment to make it. Yes, but, but. there is some things to consider. Okay. Should we talk about fried yeah, turkeys? Let's talk about start? fried turkeys. So, one, if you do a fried turkey, um, it's best to uh, flavor it somehow. Um, I always like a beer brine. So, yes, you can beer brine your fried turkey. So, you feed the turkey beer brine before? Um, well, you could feed it beer. I mean, kind of like a Kobe beef, you yeah. know, kind of like you give it daily massages and talk good things to it. Maybe give it some nice music to listen to and really get in the spirit of things. Some old Ben probably Crosby or something. Probably won't know. listen too much, though. You never know. They're but not you, very bright birds i'm just saying though you never know <laughs> Vinny plays tool for his beers so he does <laughs> yep did not know that it's funny you walk into his little room there and he's got music going i'm like oh it's for the beer nice. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so it's best to, um because turkey by itself plain turkey right as you get it from your butcher your meat department your wrapped turkey um you're frozen uh hopefully not frozen um i really do recommend and i'm not just being one of those guys but if you can find a local turkey farm a free-ranged um you know there's brannigans there's willy bird that's really close up near me um distal are all over the state of california uh if you can get a really good bird i highly recommend it Mm -hmm. um (coughs) 
uh, you know, the the butterballs of the world, or you know, you 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 kind of get what you pay for. Okay. Um, there's a lot to be said about flavor and texture and stuff like that. That hoppy beer, I tell you. Um, when you really start to think about, you know, how that that bird was raised, and and then you know how you cook it, and ultimately when it's on your plate, how it's going to be, you know, for your guests and everybody else, and you know, oh boy, it's another dry turkey. <laughs> So by doing some different things, um, it'll actually help you a little bit to actually infuse some different flavors into it. So like a beer brine is really a great way to go. Mm -hmm. So brining is basically submerging this bird in a beer salt mixture. Yes. Um, So basically on homebrewchef.com, there is a menu tab. And if you go down there and then you look at Thanksgiving menu, there's about three different ways to do a turkey. Okay. So, and what's kind of nice is that it kind of helps you with the whole understanding of a beer brine and what flavors and what kind of beer to use. Um, I really like doing a, um, uh, like a Oktoberfest, uh-huh. um, a brown ale, I think would work really, really well. Something with some Munich malt, a little bit of nice, you know, a little caramely, not too caramely, but how that will play up the whole flavor of uh, the turkey in itself without masking it. You okay. know? So uh, beers that might fall <laughs> under that category could be Sam Adams, uh, Spot and Oktoberfest. Spot and Oktoberfest. <laughs> Spot and all that leftover Oktoberfest from Oktoberfest? Yeah. If you have an Oktoberfest party and you get a keg and you just don't go through the whole keg, well, Bing. it's only two months until Thanksgiving. <laughs> if you have proper, you know, September, October fest. Well, the idea being that you, you know, you have some specific beers in mind. Um, the Stone Pale would fall in that category, possibly. Watermelon wheat? Water? No. I just have to get my ten bucks. You know. Ten bucks. Ten bucks. <laughs> There's is your ten free bucks. beer. <laughs> yeah. um, but you, and you wouldn't use a, a a very big hoppy beer. I wouldn't go too aggressive on the hops um, because one, um, you want to have a beer that's going to kind of complement the flavors of turkey. So you can do like you know a wit beer. You could do a wheat beer, a wheat wine. You could actually do this double bastard. I think that would be really nice. Yeah. If you did something, you need a lot of double bastard. A couple of bottles. Yeah. <clears throat> Probably three bottles, four bottles. Long time ago, a friend of mine had his own uh, personal bar set up. And uh, one of the beers that he had a keg of, and keg meaning half barrel, real keg, Old Foghorn. Nice. And you know, oh. you don't, for personal consumption, you Ooh. don't really rip through the old foghorn. But You could sure try. <laughs> uh, you know, one, of my, one of my friends, we were, st- we were all staying in his place once, one of my friends got up in the morning, crawled, literally crawled, did not want to walk, crawled from where his sleeping bag was, over to the bar, poured himself a pint of uh, old foghorn. He goes, "There's, I will never be able to do this ever again. <laughs> As I get out of bed, have a pint of old foghorn. But... Go. The point of this is, um, we marinated uh, Chateaubriand in Old Foghorn. Because oh. after a while, it was like, hey, if we just start, you know, dumping this into a pan and using it as a marinade, that was those were good. Mm. That would work out real well, actually. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I always talk about a growler is about wow. what you're looking for for beer. That's about right. And about a growler of beer, a growler of water. Um, and uh, like I was saying, you know, like an Oktoberfest worked real well. You can easily do. Um, 
you know, a saison would work if you had like mm-hmm. a homebrew saison around or a couple bottles around. And so, are you a, a, a fan of of uh, the bag and brine, or just the, or just the, it sitting in the. Well, there's a couple different ways you could do it because, I mean, it all depends on what size turkey you have. Yeah. Let's say that it's a normal 25-pound turkey. Normal? Usually they're about 20 pounds. That's okay. a normal turkey. Um, Anything 22 and above is kind of starting to become pretty big. And once I had a, a turkey that was about 50 pounds. Jeez. That's a big tom. A home-raised, you know, real well-fed thing would not fit in the oven. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because that's double the size of a big turkey. Yeah, it was. Uh, we we actually had to somewhat give it uh, some surgery to fit into the oven. So, <laughs> it was, uh, not quite actually <laughs> Deep some reduction. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, so the best way to start is is that to get your bird to wash it real well when it you know when you get it you know to just to make sure that there's no residual juice around and you know remove the the, the bag and the neck and and uh, then dry it off real well. And then if you take your brewing pot or any large stock pot and put uh, the water, the salt, the sugar, lemons, oranges, bay leaf, uh, tiny leaf parsley, some thyme, some garlic, some shallots, bring that to a simmer that will dissolve everything. You don't have to cook a brine, but I find that when you do cook a brine, you actually get a much better flavor. I throw some carrots and onions and celery in there just to give it a little bit more complexity. Then you chill that down, pour in your beer, and then you can put that into a bag. If, if you don't have a bag that's big enough, you don't have those big, giant Ziploc bags now. Yeah. So you can use one of those. You can use a real heavy-duty trash bag. Or what you can do is you can take your cooler you know your picnic cooler right and clean it really well put put a little bit of bleach in there make sure it's you know as clean as you possibly can get it (laughs) in your case motor yes (laughs) and uh you can put the bird in there and then pour the brine over it about every 12 hours you want to just kind of rotate the bird in the bag and then that will really help with um the overall flavors infuse equally into the whole thing. And then what you do is you just put some Ziploc bags filled with ice, and you put those into the cooler, and that will help make sure that it keeps cold. So that's really why you want your brine below 40 or about 38 degrees. So that way when you put the turkey in and everything else, it all stays cold. Because it's going to take about, depending on the size of the bird, 24 hours I think is a minimum. Uh-huh. Um, 48 hours I think is about right on. But you can do up to 72 hours. So get your ingredients on Monday. Almost. And put it together on Tuesday. Uh, put it on, oh, together, no, put together on Monday, Monday. Put it together Monday night. And then by, by Thursday, Thursday morning yep. is when you want to introduce it to the oven. Or if you decided to do like a turducken or something like that. But that we'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah. But so at that point, what will happen is as it sits in this brine, it's basically osmosis. And it's pulling out some of the natural juices that are in the meat. I'm replacing it with this liquid that you've made, and that will actually infuse the flavors all the way into the meat. So you actually get a much better flavor, and this will actually help prevent it from overcooking. Mm -hmm. Um, And then when you roast it off, 
you actually have almost another 10 degrees worth of temperature. I think it's really good to take a turkey out about 160. There's a thing called carryover temperature that anytime a turkey has been in that kind of environment for so hot for so long, it'll keep cooking at least another 5 to 10 degrees even outside of the oven. <laughs> so, and you know, really 165 is as high as you need to get a bird. So there's even some discussion about that. So, <laughs> but uh, just to be on the safe so side. So how are you monitoring your temperature? Yeah, I like probes. <laughs> the mad scientist. So you've got a probe, but it's the one that sits outside the oven. Yeah, so I have a probe that basically you stick into the turkey, mm-hmm. and I find um, I'll put one in just kind of along the breast. You really want to make sure that the um, the thermometer never touches the bone because right. that actually will get a give a false reading on the temperature mm-hmm. and you can also do it down the thigh okay and then it has a cord and it comes outside of your oven and then you plug it into your handy dandy you know timer slash temperature gauge and then set that for 160 and then you don't really have to worry about time because <clears throat> i always find that with roasting anything I mean, one turkey versus another turkey, brined, unbrined, stuffed, unstuffed, they all cook different. So there's no real magic 13 minutes for every pound. It it, it doesn't quite work that way. What about tug on the leg and it gives this sort of a reaction? You never know because that actually could be it could be so overcooked and still do the same thing. Uh, that's true. So basically, you're looking at about 160 degrees. These are about 29 bucks. Well worth it. You can use it for your roast. You can use it for all kinds of things, even for brewing. Oh, yeah. So definitely worth it. If not, you can get an instant re- uh, thermometer and use that instead. Um, but um, about 160 is perfect. 350 degree oven. Because yeah. I remember the turkeys when I was a kid that had the built-in thermometer that popped. Oh, take that thing out. <laughs> Those don't go off to like 170, 175 oh, really? degrees. Yeah. No, sp- and actually what's funny is that you look at a lot of cookbooks and they say 185 to pull out the turkey. Why so Why so hot? Because that means well, the turkey's going to be like 200 degrees well, people, inside. Well, that's why they were dry turkeys so that's that right there is a real thing but also part of it too is is that safety and sanitation i mean there's a lot to be said i mean as a you know an author and if i put something out there and somebody gets sick you know it's not they're going to come after me but at the same time too it was that way to make sure everybody was safe and also what we knew then versus what we know today it's very different and people get crazy about about undercooked stuff i'm just crazy crazy. i love it pork tartare Zoo station in Berlin from a takeout counter at a train station. That stuff was good. Well, but, but it also it all is making keep, sense now. But keep, in, <laughs> but keep in mind the um, the production of things today is different than it was 50 years ago when some of these cookbooks were written. Yes, no. I mean, there are certain things with the commercial birds that you don't always want to know. Right. Well, there is that. I mean, if anybody's out there watch Food, Inc., you know, look at how your chickens are being raised without any sunlight, period. It really makes you rethink, like, wait a minute here. <laughs> that doesn't just seem right. The uh, the giant chicken sucker. <laughs> You've seen that thing on YouTube? Yep. <laughs> and that's where, again, it's just really rethinking, you know, and putting your money where your wallet, you know, and, and, and really rethinking the whole process. Oh, I, I grew up driving past uh, what's now the Rocky Chicken plant yeah fulton on river road i remember as a kid now they don't they have like a like a curtain up yeah but you used to see that you'd get the trucks and they'd have all these pens full of chickens and you would see where they take the chickens out of the pens they hang them upside down on the amusement park ride that goes into the building and you'd go by 
spray in the morning and you see all the chicks <laughs> hanging upside down. Going, kah, 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 kah. There's no stress in my and, life. There's no stress it, in my life. And, <laughs> and at the other end, there's like this conveyor belt that was going and putting stuff out into the, the whatever isn't used going out into the into the dumpster, into the rendering truck or whatever. Yeah, and now those are all discreetly screened. But I remember as a kid all the time, you're like, check it out! Whoa! <laughs> it's where the chickens go. And now it's got the big sign, Rocky, home of Rocky. So you've, we've the chicken's been brined. Turkey. Excuse me. But you Turkey. could do a chicken instead. My yeah. sister does a brine for a barbecue chicken. It's amazing. And I actually recommend brining your chicken. You can do it with duck. You can do it with guinea fowl. You can do it with your turkey. Yeah, do it with all your birds. Even your pork. So what about people who are weirded out about the amount of salt that you're going to use? Well, it's actually really not that much salt when you think about a 20, 22-pound turkey. Two pound, or two cups of salt isn't really that much. And then also, too, it doesn't all get used. I right. mean, some, says, some stays in solution, so it's not going to go completely in. And then this way, too, you've actually salted your bird all the way through the meat. So when you actually put it into the oven, you really don't have too much to do except to remove it from the brine, rinse it off. Pat it dry, then pop in the oven. Right. Cook it for however long it needs to cook to get to 160 degrees. Let's talk. Let's go. Let's zoom back to uh, frying. Frying, yes. So instead of frying it, or I'm sorry, instead of roasting it, so if you want to fry it. So the biggest thing is if you look at, you know, volume displacement. A turkey that's, you know, 20 pounds versus 25 pounds, extra 5 pounds, it it equals volume, space. Right. I know it seems like we're back in algebra and, you know, geometry and volume and all these other things. But to really look at, like, how much displacement that's going to do. So if you have a 15-gallon brew pot, use it. Um, so a bigger pot than you need. Bigger pot is always better. Okay. Um, then burning the house down. Well, and that's really where it is because <laughs> here's the other factor that you see and you don't see is is that the more dry you can make that turkey, the better. So if you take your turkey and you dry it really well, you put it under a, even a fan on it for about an hour, so it actually comes up to room temperature. Okay. So this isn't where you have to worry. You have four hours for that thing before it really... You, Things are going to start to grow before you get sick. But if you've done the brine, you got all that sugar and that salt and everything else, so it's actually going to prevent it even more. Mm-hmm. And the more that it's at an even temperature, the more even it's going to cook it. So if it's at 38 degrees right out of the refrigerator, and actually... I want to say it's they're about 28 degrees because of just how the turkey meat is and they're still like fleshy because ice cream isn't really 32 degrees it's more like zero degrees because of the sugar and whatnot right. so when you think about your turkey and then throwing it right into the oven it takes that much longer to warm up and if you did the same thing with a fryer you're dropping your your oil temperature so low and then for it to come back up because all the mass of what that turkey the temperature that turkey is versus your oil but since you have a hundred degrees difference so there's going to be and so things when you put cool things in hot uh, it drops it it drops it a lot and so especially with frying so if you have more of a room temperature bird and if you have a fan that you use during the summer just pop it on make sure it's somewhat clean you know and uh, just pop that on the bird the dust and just going. turn your bird every 15 minutes or so in about an hour. Your bird will actually be really dry. The skin will be really dry. And uh, then you can actually pop it right in the fryer. Now, the real trick is is that you should have your oil about 300, 325 degrees. 
and you don't want to just use tongs sometimes the kits that you can buy they have like a hook yeah. and you hook that into the inside of the bird and then you have a, like a hoister yep and even that sometimes is too small sometimes it's better to use like a come along like a dowel <laughs> elton brown he did this <laughs> thing where he has like a an a-frame ladder and he has a hoist on it and he kind of like drops it in real carefully but it makes sense because one you could really burn yourself and number two you can burn down your house right the way Better that to happens, burn the ladder than to burn down your house. Not even, but but I'm you really saying, shouldn't do both. Well, I'm <laughs> or <saying>. either. <laughs> no, you just want to go slowly. You want to have. You and so it's actually a, it's a better. Turkey cannonball is not that exciting. No, it's not because let me tell you, you can get really hurt. I fried my my fair share of turkeys. So if you drop your turkey in all at once, that's the problem. Drop it in slowly, then raise it back up, and then drop it in a little bit more, and raise it back up, and oh, drop so it a little bit a more. Almost, and and I don't know if we've ever been in the hot tub together but (laughs) get the turkey really drunk (laughs) well and hence the beer brine it's It's only fair it's only humanity you know exactly so then to slowly to drop it into the oil and you'll see it kind of bubble up and that's all the steam that's all the the vapor that might still be in the bird condensation that's in the bird and that's coming out of the oil so if you do that nice and slow, and then slowly, once it's all the way in, then you know you're you're in, and you should have some still space. The oil shouldn't be right up to the top, because that's actually what causes your fires. Is oh, that it's boiling over. The oil is boiling over down the sides. The oil catches on fire because you got a big propane burner underneath it, and boom, you're asking for yeah. some trouble. Yeah. Well, in your propane burner, you know, the, there's a lot of BTUs. It's a thousand thirty thousand. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that could yeah. be a problem. <laughs> that could be so that's the other thing too is like turn it down when you first put it in and mm-hmm. then turn it back up but you really want to keep the the, the temperature about 325 to 350 no hotter because if you do any right. hotter you'll actually start to burn the outside of the bird okay and you actually have to be careful too because this dipping method actually helps the bird from sticking to the bottom of the pot because uh-huh. if you just drop it right in it can sometimes stick to the bottom of the pot then how are you going to get the bird out well you'll pull it out but you'll burn it yeah. I mean you'll be stuck so yeah Poor so turkey. And nice and slow. Just, you know, I mean, it takes about 45 to 50 minutes on the size of the bird. You can pull it out and you can put a thermometer in and just double check, 165. Would you you, uh, go so far as to practice first before committing to this? What do you mean about practice? Like like you've never never (laughs) fried a turkey before. It's not that hard. Okay. Depends how forgiving your relatives are. Well, that's true. <laughs> but really, it's not that hard. How many microwave burritos you have laying around in case? Uh... Oh. <laughs> yes, the Pilgrim had the frozen burrito <laughs> reenacting. Uh, the Indians the Bart have the Simpson, secret microwave uh, box. There has to be a minutes, home versus, huh? you know. So how do you test the, the turkey? So basically pull it out and yeah. just put a thermometer in, but usually it's about 45 minutes. Okay. Um, if, if you have a smaller bird, try 35, test it. Um, probably around 30 minutes you should test it anyway. Okay. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it just, it's a great way to cook because it's really fast. And also, it really sears in the the the, the moisture because it, it creates almost like a crust with all the hot oil on the mm-hmm. skin. 
and then as that goes it just basically the heat just goes all the way through and then also you're not stuffing a turkey which i i don't recommend stuffing any turkey it just takes longer to cook and i think stuffing is better when it's in a roasting pan i do like that nice crutch i do like the cavity i have to agree with paxton on this because (laughs) the idea stuffing in a pan has that has that nice crusty on the on the and i'm gonna go for and i'm gonna go for the edges bang um so yeah so at that point <laughs> motor stop looking at me like that both of you disgust me <laughs> you can get like a little spray bottle for yours you know kind of make, make sure it stays moist all the time <laughs> kind of gummy mm-hmm. little chunks of celery in oh there. yeah <laughs> little bits of liver oh so um so yeah then basically if you roast it if you fry it um t- take it out of the oven let it sit for 30 minutes before you carve it okay Right there is a real key. Don't be in any hurry. This will give you time to finish off your sweet potatoes, your mashed potatoes, your whatever it is you might be doing that might need an oven. I am the king of the tato- potato mashing. That's my skill at Thanksgiving. Potato Potatoes. racer. Try your potato racer. No, what's that? Oh, it's we'll, like us. We'll get to that. Yes. Yeah, All right. So then, one last one. Um, so I'm. I have to say, I'm a big fan of uh, the the fried turkey because yes. it's. It really is one of the best turkeys that I've ever had. It's real juicy, real moist. Yeah. Uh, and I'm surprised that most people don't do it, but it ne- you need the space, you need the time, and you need to go, like you said, you need to go slowly. Yeah. Uh, and if you do deep fry your turkey, that actually frees up your oven. So for, if you're baking your you know, pumpkin pie you didn't do it the night before, you have rolls, you have your casserole of, I don't know, whatever. Green beans and... <laughs> You said it, not me. Cream of mushroom soup. Cream of mushroom soup. With those little fried (laughs) onion things on top. It's disgusting. So, yeah, so that's where you can really, you know, also think about space and what kind of dynamics you have in your house because now it also takes 45 minutes versus three hours or four hours. All right. Well, let's say that you still want to do your turkey three, four hours um, and you want to free up your oven. Um, Grill. You can do a grill, and I've actually done a, a grilled turkey. What's really important is, is if you have one a grill that's big enough so that when you put the lid on it, yeah, it doesn't, that it doesn't closes. actually like it actually closes. Yeah. And number two, you really don't want the turkey or any part of the turkey to be over coals. Oh, so that's so a really, it's really big grill. Independent, um, so it's indirect heat. Right. Um, so you have your your turkey in the center. Usually, it's good to put like a water pan underneath it, uh-huh. and that will actually create some humidity. So or it actually. Some beer. Well, I'm not saying, yeah, so you could easily put some beer in there. Or if you smoke your turkey, hint, hint, nudge, nudge, wink, wink, say no more. Yeah. Uh, you can actually take your wood chips, whether it be apple, whether it be cherry, whether it be pecan would be really nice. What about oak? Um, oak you can do. I'm not a huge fan of oak or hickory because I think it gets overdone with barbecue. Yeah. I like the other woods that are a little bit more fruity, add a little bit more complexity. I, I actually have a fig tree, so I use fig wood a lot. Um, I know I'm getting so crazy out there. Persimmon? <laughs> I don't know about persimmon, actually. That would be interesting. <laughs> Um, but uh, those other woods, I think, have a little bit more character, a little bit more flavor. And if you right. actually soak those chips for about 30 minutes in the same beer that you use in the brine, 
You actually reinforce that flavor. That would be great. And so you can put those in a foil packet and put those over the coals. And check your coals about every hour and a half to make sure that you're out. Well, that and just to make sure that you're keeping a pretty consistent temperature in your smoker. Like 250 is really good if you're smoking it or if you're barbecuing it. You don't really want it above 300. No. Because you'll actually get it too hot because the bottom of the turkey versus the top of the turkey, considering it's breast side up, you'll actually start to burn the top and not the bottom. So what's up with the stupid gas grills they have the the, the burners that go down the whole length why don't they just make them that's in why sections? you use charcoal i know just it's not like, as in environmental but yeah it's yeah, i think yeah but i mean like you know it's like they don't put one burner that, that's yeah know, if you can that, turn off research, like a center one and then turn on the two on the sides something and then it adjust like, the heat it's an easy mod totally it's a little shut off valves in there yeah Hmm. I want to know, <laughs> you know, I love clean air and all this, and uh, but we're going to, ha- during the summer we had spare the air days when it got too hot and you're not supposed to drive your car. During the winter they're going to go, no wood burning fires. How the hell am I supposed to get a pizza at Jupiter? That's a good question. the wood burning fires are not allowed on certain days. Well, actually, what's interesting is, is that <clears throat> there's... When they get a permit to have a wood fire pizza oven, I think that that discludes them from the spare their days. Okay, because that's their main heat. It's true, and that's most everything on their menu comes out. Oh, there's yeah. a lot of wood fire places. There's yeah, Gordon Beers, the pizza yeah. oven there, the yeah. the the, the uh, wood fire at Momo's, the wood fire at. Um, yep. Wow, I can go on. The list goes on. So yeah, it makes sense that the restaurants would be excluded. Yeah. Hmm. It's just I like this. I mean, in my neighborhood here in the city, you you, you get got great people flavors with fire, and you get smells with, yeah. with fireplaces. You know. <sighs> so yeah, so you can do the barbecue for sure. It's a nice way to do it, and smoked turkey is really nice. So could but you then, do, you could do a turkey in a pit. Yeah, that's the way they do it in Hawaii. They put the they you can take a hole and you can do it clam bake style. Yeah, you could. Um, I would be a little bit more weary because. To get the temperature just right and not overcook it, yeah, can't te- you can't test you it. Can't. I mean, I did a pig where I did actually bury it in the ground and stuff, and actually put in the uh, the probe, and then actually I was able to get a nice um, long probe, <laughs> so that when I buried it, that I can actually still see what te- what the temp was, and you know, okay, it's time to pull it out. So it means after fourteen hours of cooking, you know, so that's a long time. Well, that's what. Took for a whole pig. We so. have friends who used to do a, a great big pig uh, on their beach up along the Russian River. Huh. That was a good pig. So let's talk about turducken for a, a turducken. moment. Turducken. You had a recipe for turducken somewhere that I cannot find. Uh, I did it actually for Beer Advocate Magazine. Oh, that's why it's not on your site. It's not on my site, but yes, it is in uh, last year's issue of uh, Beer Advocate. And you put extra stuff in the turducken, if I remember. I well, it wasn't your standard by any means. No. Um, so for those of you who might not know what a turducken is, <laughs> it, it 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 all originated around the idea of stuffing and what is stuffing. So this is where probably motor would have a boner because <laughs> you do have to bone your turkey. So basically, you debone a turkey, a chicken, or a duck, or a pheasant, or a quail, depending. You can actually I've seen it done like seven different layers. 
years. That's a lot of birds. So it's uh, you know basically they would put like a chicken inside of a duck um, and then put that into a turkey. Um, but the problem is that you get all the bones. So that's where you actually either you talk to your butcher and you get really nice nice with your butcher, which I highly recommend you get to know your butcher. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, I, I uh, I've learned this very well this last year where they can get you some really really cool stuff if you get to know them and bring them a little treats because they work really hard back there and I've been a butcher myself so but uh, I had to get sausage casing once bang said Ron and Mike at Little City Meats hello you make your own sausage can I have some casing I mean I go to Sonoma Market up my way and they're just great back there really great group of guys so um, but what's fun is is that you basically take your whole turkey and you start on your the spine if you will and then you go down one side of the bird taking out the leg joint and then the wing joint and then go all the way down to the breastbone keeping your knife as close as you can to the whole uh, chest cavity and then you do the same thing on the other side and then you debone out the legs and then the wings and then you butterfly it so you get this large giant rectangle of meat okay at that point you season it and then you put down one type of stuffing thinking about turkey and what would go best with that and then you do the same thing with a duck same process same technique debone that whole thing lay that on top of the stuffing of the turkey and then you have another stuffing so it's we're docking two different stuffings now and then that one i did with like black rice and the first one was more of your traditional stuffing and then i did black rice with uh black cherries and cooked that all on beer and then i took a pheasant debone that put that on top and then did another stuffing and then you basically very carefully with an extra set of hands tie the whole thing up And then it actually looks like a turkey again. (laughs) And then you basically pop that into your pan. And this is actually where you start cooking on Wednesday night. Okay. So you basically set your oven at like 225 and uh, low and slow. And the next morning, your whole house just... It's uh, <laughs> anybody out there who likes to smell <laughs> your whole house. I guarantee you will be just like luscious goodness, and uh, have a probe in there and basically you know one sixty one sixty five pull it out and you will be blown away. And then that turkey can actually sit out for about an hour before you carve it. But what's great is that when you carve it, you go through the whole entire entire thing and you get right. these sheets and it almost looks like a tree where it has these rings of flavors and meats and so you get. Three different kinds of meat. Exactly. (laughs) And then you get uh, three different types of stuffing, and it's all boom. And you can do your gravy. Because actually, that's what's great, too, because you actually have deboned all your your turkey, your duck, and your chicken, or your quail, or your pheasant, whatever you do. And then you actually use those bones, and you make a great stock. So as it's cooking in the oven, you have a pot of stock going. Strain it off, and then you have just amazing gravy. Let's talk about that. Yes. So maybe. you, uh, so how many times have you had ruined gravy? I'm, you know, it's like what what is with people who don't know how to make the most simple things? Well, sometimes it, it's the simple things that are actually the hardest things because there's nothing to hide behind. Right. Right. Well, and the and the, in the in the sense of gravy, it really is just a reduction. Yes, or it should be just a reduction. I, I've I, seen I've seen cornstarch thrown into it. I've seen yeah, flour. I've seen flour butter. works. Flour can, but start small and then and work yeah, into it. Yeah, um, the real trick with any 
anything uh, like what we're talking about with gravy is I always try to make some homemade chicken stock, some turkey stock, some duck stock. And if you use that first as your base, yeah. okay, and none of this bouillon cube stuff, you know, leave that behind. Um, and if you, you know, you can buy chicken stock, you can buy some of the stuff ahead of time, but um, I really recommend um, making your own. It's not that hard. You know, you can use one whole chicken, a couple onions, a couple carrots, a couple pieces of celery, some bay leaves, some thyme, some cold water, bring it up to a simmer, like a low, low, low simmer, four hours, strain it off. Then take that and reduce it down just so it gets really nice and dark. And you can roast your vegetables first, which will give them more flavor. But if you don't have time, just throw them in the pot. And then whatever drippings might be in the bottom of your turkey pan, yeah. that you know, after it's roasted and stuff, take that and a lot of it's going to be fat, right? And so put a little bit of flour in there, whisk it together, and, I mean, we're talking like a tablespoon of flour, okay? We're not talking, you know, the bag. (laughs) And cook it for like two, three, four minutes, and you're going to make like a blonde roux. Stirring it the whole time. Stirring it the whole time, and then basically add your stock to that, and then you want to simmer it for like 30 minutes, and that will get rid of that flour taste. Okay. Okay. You can actually add beer in there. Like what I like to do is actually a wild mushroom gravy. That's a real big thing in my family. So I take, you know, oyster mushrooms, shiitake mushrooms, morel mushrooms. Sometimes I'll use lobster. Sometimes I'll use uh, hen of the woods, some hedgehogs. Um, what else have I done? Uh, Cremini's. Um, those are more domesticated. But uh, I mean, any wild ones that you get. And if you happen to have a friend who does wild mushroom hunting and you trust him and he's still alive um, <laughs> really you, you can get really sick of mushrooms not those kind but <laughs> those uh, well, you can die from mushrooms you can die from mushrooms um, and there's a couple ones and if you don't know don't try them and you know what always cracks me up is that those ones in the fairy tale books those red ones with the white dots yeah those are like the most dangerous ones they're the coolest things to look at ever because just don't even mother look. nature i mean god what a great color combo and man they really pop out in the jungle or in the forest, I should say. But yeah. uh, but uh, when you actually go, and if you touch those, wash your hands immediately. I mean, those things, just the the contact can really get you sick. So, And then don't, actually, if you eat them, they can kill you. That's why they're called the death caps. Don't See, kick them. Somewhere around, I, my mom probably has it. We have a candy dish, which is... Just one like of those that. Mu- one of those mushrooms. No, it's one of those mushrooms because they're big around Christmas time yeah. in Germany. Oh yeah, and yeah. You like pull the top. You pull the. You pull the crown off the mushroom inside. It's candy. Yeah, the there's to go after those mushrooms. I mean, my little girl's books. I mean, I see them all the time. I'm like, man, no wonder why kids get sick and eat them because you know they're everywhere. But anyway, so take your your favorite wild mushrooms. Saute those in some butter, add some shallots that are caramelized. I really like Doppelbach because I think of that earthiness that a Doppelbach has with the, the Munich malt. Um, you know, it's kind of roasty and just really, really a nice beer. You could do a real light porter, like an English porter or a brown ale. Like the like this Southern Oregon Brewing Company porter we're drinking. That uh, would be nice, too. Yeah. And then basically deglaze that, reduce it down a little bit, then add that to your chicken stock and then your roux, and you'll have a gravy that everybody at the, at the table will be like, oh my god, this is amazing, and they have a straw, and they're just drinking it right out of the gravy boat. So, wait, wait, so you're just reducing it? I really believe in reduction. Yeah. I think that that's the best way to make gravy. Because at that point, you actually, it, it's like a demi-glace. Right. So, 
for those of you who know French cooking, to make a master sauce, you make it basically like a veal stock, and you have like. 10 gallons and you reduce that very slowly over three days and you actually get about barely four quarts or a gallon so from 10 gallons down to a gallon wow that ought to be very thick it's very thick it's very gelatinous very rich but then that's what goes over a steak or this or that and it's just deliciousness (laughs) Paris, right now. Boom. Done. <laughs> so, yeah. So, right there. So, that's a really great way to do that, too. So, but that's really where I think a, a gravy becomes a whole nother element, not just this watered-down, thickened sauce and cornstarch. No. But if it's an Asian-style turkey, you can get away with cornstarch. Because, actually, that's what I'm doing this year. So. Huh. Mm. Interesting. Asian-style turkey. Asian-style turkey. Yeah, I'm playing around. I don't know what that means, Asian-style. Just like, is that like an orange sauce on the top? No, actually, I'm going to do a combination of our good friend up at Russian River, Vinny, and I got some damnation. So I'm putting damnation with uh, Japanese uzu, which is a citrus fruit that uh, really grows in Japan, some lemongrass, some kaffir lime leaves, some ginger, a little bit of garlic, and some salt and making that into a brine and then that will be brined into the turkey yep. and then i will cook the turkey i'll actually debone it off the 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 bones and then actually vacuum seal each breast separately and then the leg separately and then actually cook it sous vide so at 160 degrees so i never have to worry about it going over and about five hours later i'm pulling it out and then i'm going to take uh i think minus touch i think that's going to be the beer and the gravy with uh, some oyster mushrooms, some ginger. Midas touches from Dogfish Head. Yes. And uh, mixing that with a little bit of cornstarch just to, I mean, I'll also have like a turkey stock because I'll use the bones and make a right. turkey stock. And then oh, have a nice cornstarch to get that, that, that glaze, that glaze almost. Kind of. And then instead of stuffing that we know it, I'm going to do like a congee, which is like a rice, like a sushi rice where you cook it with extra water. Uh-huh. So it's a little bit more sticky. And then I have those. Chinese little sausages that have that just great, real rich, porky flavor yeah. to them. And then do that with uh, green onions and then some ginger. And uh, Why weren't you ever on Iron Chef? <laughs> uh, Octopus battle! <laughs> I do admire what those guys do in all those cooking shows. Yeah, um, I, I spend a lot of time thinking, and hmm, what about this and what about that? Yeah. But I do some stuff where it feels like that sometimes. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, wow, you know, like Iron Chef French has got nothing on you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, but that's the other thing, too, is that this is a time of year where you should really play and really think about flavors and really design your whole menu and that, you know, you guys listening to this show right now can be saying, hmm, my homework, yeah, okay, I can really start working on this whole concept and, and then start to play with the flavors and stuff, you know, I mean, really rethink your stuffing, you know, I mean, what I did for beer advocate this year was kind of fun i took a a hispanic style turkey with the whole concept of if columbus had more beer because you know that's the whole reason why they landed in plymouth is because they ran out of beer well that's the theory so well i'll believe it (laughs) but let's just say they had more beer on that on those three boats you know and you know they just kept going a little bit further down and they were actually landing in mexico versus you know plymouth rock and so it would have really changed the whole what was there so pilgrims not columbus okay you've got your columbus right or the 
it's a pilgrims. pilgrims. Yeah, pilgrims sorry. only had one boat. Damn that beer, that double bastard. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you know, children listen to the show. I want to make sure they get their history correct. Yes, like, yes. <clears throat> well, you know what? There's a fifty percent chance that the fact is wrong on this show, and that's okay. Yeah, but the cooking facts <laughs> are going to be pretty dead up. So, so anyway, so that was the whole concept. So I took basically a whole bunch of uh, fun cilantro, onions, garlic, a um, whole bunch of different fun spices. I uh, did that with Mexican beers of your choice. Negro Modelo was mine. Made that into the brine. Did that for three days. Roasted it off. Um, then I did a blue cornmeal stuffing with chorizo and caramelized See, now you're onions. Talking, you're talking, this is, yeah. This is. And then you add in the beer to deglaze it, and then you mix that in with your cornbread stuffing and, and pine, or, uh, pumpkin seeds, and then you roast that off separately, and then I did a mole gravy with um, uh, Deschutes' uh, Abyss, because I thought mm. Imperial Stout chocolate mole gravy would be pretty damn tasty over... Like El Colorado. <laughs> so yeah, so it was actually really fun. So again, this is where so many different ideas, you know, on my website, there's a great recipe for a porcini uh, duck sausage stuffing. So basically take some uh, duck legs, th- take off the meat, then pop that through a grinder. Um, you can maybe buy ground duck meat if, if you look for it, or you talk to your butcher. Add that in with some artisanal breadcrumbs that you've, you know, cubed up a really great loaf of bread and then toss it all in together so yeah there's a whole but whole bunch of different directions and even like your cranberry sauce you know you don't have to go just your standard cranberry sauce add some wit beer in there i mean think about the orange peel and the coriander and and cranberries and yeah i want to talk about your sauce can you get saucy with me? No, I do. Uh, the uh, where is it? See, John does his homework. The cranberry wit sauce. Yes, yes. I want that to go over the turkey. You could. I'm just saying. I'm like, I'm so excited about the whole idea. It would work really well. Um, you can actually do that as a brine if you wanted to. It's got an orange, a tangerine, a yeah. wit, uh, some Belgian rock candy. Just because sugar, some coriander. A hole toasted and cracked with the uh, bottom with the bottom of the pan. Yeah, uh, honey, uh, some wildflower honey, not clover honey. I like a little bit more flavor, star I'm, thistle or all those yeah. other ones. And okay, this is you could mind. use orange blossom if you wanted to really. make This it is real the orange-y. mind blow for me. Was uh, I was at the craft no the homebrewer conference, and I sat in on the mead session. Oh, huh. Which was kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, and they talked, and I did not even think about this up until that moment where they're talking about, yeah, this was uh, this mead was made with clover honey. It doesn't have a lot of things. Flavor, yeah. And then this was made with cherry blossom honey, and it tasted like it had the essence of cherries in it. Oh, it's amazing. And if you really start to really look at your honey and where it comes from and, you know, the meadow foams yeah. and the, oh, there's so many great ones like well, sage honey. And so, you know, kind of like uh, being schooled about beer. Yeah. Like the idea of uh, honey in a bear. Like, okay, well, you know what? We're being ripped off because this is yeah, it's it all blended like together. It's all, and you know, sweet. Mass, yeah, it's sweet. Don't get me wrong, but it goes good in the tea, but not yeah, not what I wanted. Definitely. Uh, so yeah, so definitely really rethink what kind of honey you use because you're not using a lot, but you know, again, it just really does change the flavor. Um, sea salt. Okay, we got to talk about salt for just a little bit. Sure. Uh, uh, that was Michael Pollan's big failure in Omnivore's Dilemma. 
Was Salt the worst dilemma? Salt. Yeah. Or he's gonna, he was going to harvest his own salt, so he went like down to Hayward, out to the edge of the bay to try and pick up some salt. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Didn't work. <laughs> it's not easy. Um, actually, that's the one thing with that 50-mile, 100-mile radius. Um, I'm lucky enough that Sonoma does actually have a coast, and yeah, I was actually say. able to get some Sonoma salt there. But uh, a lot of people really struggle with that whole concept. I mean, I know I'm really fortunate because I can get so much great stuff right in my neighborhood. I mean, salt is salt, right? Yes and no. Yes and no. Um, it, it's all salty and it adds salinity. But there's actually, I mean, I have about 20 different kinds of salt at home. Freak. I'm a salt freak, yeah. The pink salt, the blue salt, the... I don't have any blue salt, but I have black salt from Hawaii and also from the Cypress Islands outside of Greece that are more large flakes, almost like almost like mini cornflakes. Um, I have salt that, uh, let's see here, I have some sea salt from Brittany, um, the Fleur de Sel, which has a really interesting, very intricate uh, salt crystal. So when it actually touches your tongue, you get a really interesting texture and crunch. Um, and these aren't always cooking salts. They're actually called finishing salts as well. Um, I have salts that are smoked in alder wood. I've actually smoked some salt in fig wood. Um, also, I took a union barrel apart from Firestone Walker and I smoked it. Um, some French gray salt and I smoked that. Um, I have a red salt from Hawaii. Um, actually, I just got a whole salt brick. So it's like this slab of salt from the Himalayas and you can actually cook on it. You can actually use it as a serving platter. It's kind of cool. You can put your sashimi wow. right it, on it. Is it mine salt? It's well. It's it's uh, they they go in and they get a big giant rock and then there's actually like a quarry and they actually just like granite and they basically yeah. just make it into these like bricks like slabs like almost like your granite tile yeah and it's like a good two inches thick it probably weighs about fifteen twenty pounds. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, it was an expensive piece of salt. <laughs> but the thing is, is that, I mean, I'll have this thing for quite a long time. And I, I, I can I, I can imagine you take, like, an old uh, wooden um, or chisel or something. Yeah, no, plane. plane. Yeah. <laughs> Probably really mess up your edge. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, basically, you just wash it off after you're done, and it's it's safe to use again. So, so if, you were, if you were, you know, guy who doesn't, didn't realize there was different kinds of salt, Yes. You would say like that salt with the whale on it as a alternate salt? <laughs> that French sea salt? Yeah. Yeah, that that's totally fine. Yeah. That's a good salt or kosher salt. I use a lot of kosher salt and those are really good because actually kosher salt's really interesting because it you actually use more of it since it's the larger crystals. Okay. But it's not as salty. So the salinity is actually different than a sea salt. So that's why, you know, like, and it's also really important to season as you go. And that's why actually a brine works really well because it's it's hard to over salt at that point. Right. I was, you know, this is one of the things that I learned as I was cooking is that if you add the time at which you add salt. Oh, big time. It's, it's so important. Like, if you add salt at the end, it just tastes like salt. Yeah, it's too... It's because it's it needs to late. cook into it. Because actually, if you, like, start sautéing your onions and your garlic and your celery and that kind of stuff to anything you're going to braise or anything else, and, like, yeah. you season it right then, you actually start to break down the cell walls a little bit because you're actually going to extract some of the moisture, which will evaporate, which will intensify the flavors. And so it's not only just adding salt, but it's actually doing something as well. So the chemistry of cooking 
So yes, it's like making steaks, where you pre-salt it the night before. Pre-salt it the night before. Yeah, or uh, meat, or like when you grind your hamburger, you salt the meat and then you grind it, and then you let it sit tw- twenty-four hours, and you actually get a much better hamburger. Nice. See, I've got my I've got my salt grinder with sea salt in it. I have yeah. it on like it comes out like powdered sugar consistency salt. <laughs> very very <laughs> really 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 fine. Really fine, and that's what's fun too is because all these different salts they add flavor and texture, and uh, I may have salt that uh, it's actually been sitting in vanilla beans. And so the salt actually smells and tastes like vanilla, which really th- throws your mind for a really fun loop. Because when you think about salt, right, it's supposed to be salty. Right, right. But then when you add vanilla to it, vanilla we so commonly associate because it's an 85% of all the food products that we eat actually taste sweet. So even though it's not sweet, the salt starts to taste sweet, but it's not mm. sweet. So it's actually just really fun. for? Um, it's actually really fun on shellfish. Okay. Um, I've actually done it on top of caramel, like a uh, like a a caramel, then like a dark chocolate shell on the outside, and then a little bit of that. You could also put it on on chocolate. Oh yeah, that's what yeah. So like like little chocolate truffles, mm-hmm. or um, I've actually used it for several different things. So, so this is the cool thing about the cranberry wit sauce. Mm-hmm. It says down here at the bottom, uh, this sauce can be made two days before if time or kitchen space is not available the day of. Yep. Um, think ahead. Plan think, ahead. Exactly. The idea being that some of this stuff which you're going to use anyway you might have to reheat it you might have to uh but it, sauce, you don't have to reheat just yeah pull it out of the fridge an extra you know hour or two before you're going to serve it yeah. how about popcorn don't, yeah what about it i really liked your popcorn at the magnolia dinner last year oh that was fun huh yeah yeah, yeah. what did you actually do i've done some other ones too so. <laughs> it I was did, really good popcorn <laughs> i just did one the other day where i took um uh duck fat added some curry powder to it and then Ooh. or i i actually added the popcorn to it and just as it started to pop i added some curry powder into it and so it made all the popcorn bright yellow so were you were you popping it in duck fat and curry and curry powder okay. and so that actually really infused a flavor and then i put a little bit of fresh curry powder at the very end and then i actually smoked it in cinnamon so i actually have a little smoker where i can actually cold yeah. smoke in cinnamon <laughs> and infuse that in i did another one at uh, magnolia where i took uh, duck fat i think is a great medium um and uh cooked the popcorn and then when it came out i did one with uh a tomato powder mm-hmm. so it's it's tomatoes that have been dehydrated pulverized to a fine powder powder mix that in with uh, a little bit of oregano and then i smoke that with uh union barrel shavings and so you get this smoked tomato a little bit of herb just really really nice i really like the flavor of smoked tomatoes um and then the other one that we did is uh, porcini mushroom. So you can get porcini mushroom powder, or you can take porcini mushrooms and just don't use your real expensive ones and uh, go ahead and pulverize those in a blender or a food processor. And then basically um, you uh, dust that after the popcorn's fresh out of the thing and a little sea salt, and uh, that was really tasty too. And that's a nice order for it doesn't... Beer and popcorn. I think Beer and nice. popcorn prior to Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> I don't know if you should string it all up for the Christmas tree, but I never know. really understood that one. I don't know. Popcorn. That's all you have. I don't know. So weird. So yeah. So that's another thing you can do. So I'm intrigued by this other recipe that's here in front of me, uh, and I actually sent you a message about this the other day. 
I don't remember. I'll tell you in a minute. So this is this has got the greatest name, Water Zooey. Water Zooey, yes. Um, and I think you know any name that has a Z in it, it's got to be. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, anyway, like my middle name. Basically, it's like Water Zooey is soup. It's it's actually a soup from Ghent outside of Belgium, so okay. or inside Belgium, um, outside Brussels. Uh, yeah, it's it's about forty five minutes or so from Brussels um, on your way to Bruges. That's where um, the mustard shop is. That and there's actually a great university and there's some really neat canals there. It's a really really beautiful city. I finally had some of that mustard. Nico <laughs> oh. had that mustard. Oh, did was he uh, I've got, rashing it? I've yeah, got the, I don't know what the link is. I have to find it. I have the video that I made. I was uh, on one of my trips over. My sister. I was going to be missing my sister's birthday. And I said, "Can you get anything?" And she goes, "Yeah, there's this mustard that they make in Ghent. Bring me back some." And I wasn't staying in Ghent. I was going through to Bruges. So I got off the train in Ghent. It was snowing. And I yeah, made the hike does. from the train station into the town square. Which actually is a hike. It is a hike. I actually did that with an 80-pound pack once. And uh, found the store. I found the, the there actually is a great shuttle. There's a streetcar, yeah. But yeah. I didn't have change to get on the streetcar because uh, we'd just come over, <laughs> we'd just come over uh, on the Eurostar. I went to the. It's it's sick. I mean, this is to uh, probably the last time I was in Brussels was two years ago, in Brussels Midi South Station. Yeah, gigantic train station. There is one single ATM. Yeah, there and, is. You know, it's in, the, true. In, the, in the and it's all the way at the east side of the concourse. Um, and there is and, like where the train station is in Ghent. It's really kind of out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, so I, all I had was like big notes, so I couldn't. So then I'm like going, okay, I'm going to go in here and get a bottle of water so I can get changed to get on the streetcar <laughs> right in the center of town. And I've then done as I'm getting changed in the store, the next streetcar goes by. But Damn it. I photographed this whole thing because I was buying these. Uh, I bought her the, you know, it's cheap. It's yeah. amazing mustard, and it's cheap. So I got like mustard shouldn't be all that expensive. I mean, it depends this, on a, what you a, put into it. But. Like a what is that? A quart? It's about a quart. Yeah. I got a quart jar and the next smaller. It jar. could be like a liter. And I just imagine, yeah, probably because. Yeah. I just imagined in uh, this thing was going to break in my luggage on the way home. Yeah. So I wanted to take pictures to prove that I actually didn't go there. So I didn't come back and go. Oh yeah, I got to the mustard, but it broke. That's why I don't have it. So I made a video of all this. <laughs> just I in made case. A, a little, a little. I it, I played with GarageBand. I made some music. Made nice. a little map with a dot showing the path. It's up online somewhere. But yes, the Ghent Mustard Store with the big nice. barrel. Of mustard where yeah. there's some really great there's a bakery right on the uh the old town right on the cobblestone there it's it's uh pretty close to uh Didal, the the not the brewery but the uh there's a bar there um it's named after this famous cannon um but uh there's this bakery there that they must have like 50 60 different kinds of just edible goodness and you walk in there and it's just you die because it's all so good i got a question for you. Okay. On uh, the BN show, you were talking about uh, drinking with the teenagers in Brussels. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Delirium Bar? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a school right there. It's a trip. Yeah, it's downstairs. And I've it's got some like, great pictures from, from being there, and it's like... Kind of weird. And yeah. they're all smoking cigarettes, and you're like sitting there, and I, I mean, I'm I know it was extremely jet lagged at that point, <laughs> and uh, I really wanted to take a nap. and And we had just come from uh, uh, Cantillon, so I'm all fat and happy, and just oh, so good. And there's all these great beers, and you know, Saint Lamprey was there with Logan, 
and and mm-hmm. uh so yeah so it was kind of funny because i'm sitting there with, like <laughs> kids like 16 i'm like what is the drinking age here yeah, 16 yeah i was like but I, how nice was that you know i mean it was actually kind of cool too because none of them were sloshed they're all drinking a light you know blonde and you know no big deals so yeah, yeah, it's kind of funny but yeah, totally off I topic. You, you're no, I, go, I, I go. This has got to be delirium. It's like three thirty, four o'clock every day, oh. or school days. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah. So water suey is a real fun dish because basically it's like a milk stew, and so um, I don't know exactly how this relates to Thanksgiving. I guess you could do like a chicken or a turkey version. Yeah. Um, I'm actually tomorrow night at the Monk's Blood dinner. I'm doing a version with mussels and prawns, and we have about two different kinds, three different kinds of prawns. And we're going to do pumpkin and some fennel and just really make it a real nice version. So Ooh, I'm excited. Yeah, it should be. It's, anyway, it's a this really is nice why I, this is why I looked up water zooey was uh, because it was on the because it was on the menu. The, uh, the menu. And so I'm like, oh, water zooey. So I looked it up, and there, there's popped the, up. there's the recipe right there. And so it has the. And this is why I had to send you a message. It has uh, PEI. Oh, mussels! Mussels! Yes. Yes. I was like PEI mussels. What the Prince, hell? Prince Edward Island. So those yeah. are the black ones that you usually see versus the New Zealand green lips. And there's actually there's a. My favorite ones to use, which are really hard to find unless you're actually a restaurant because you can get them from your fish purveyor, are the Mediterranean mussels, which are a little bit smaller than the PEI mussels. They're a little bit more orange, but they have, they're just really, really sweet. They just have this wonderful, wonderful flavor. Um, so, yeah, obviously you can get mussels, but you do have to double-check, like, a along the coast if there's, you know, certain times of year because of the red tide, you can't. You know, eat them. So, but if you can get local mussels, you you know that was my question. Local mussels. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You're rolling your eyes, going. Well, no, I mean, I I do believe in it, but then you never know where they're coming from, and then the way that they grow them out there, they're all farm raised, so it's not really doing any ecological damage outside of (coughs) carbon footprint. So, okay, carbon footprint. Don't get me started on this. Okay. I'm not going to get you started. Well, no, it's just it's a, it, the whole idea no, of paying. Started. No, I'm just saying. <laughs> no, so yeah, so Thanksgiving. Yeah, Thanksgiving. So, yeah. Thanksgiving. So. Speaking of carbon footprints, aren't we flying back and forth to San Diego we today are. to we, drink some beer next yeah, weekend? Exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's not meet go us there. in San Diego. Exactly. Uh, it'll be fun. But no, but there's all kinds of really fun recipes that you can do that are on my site that are really fun. I mean, I did a Thai-inspired pumpkin coconut soup with a holiday ale. It's all those holiday beers that are just starting to hit the market. Um, You know, you can easily do uh, a roasted garlic IPA mashed potato. Mm, That would be good. That actually was uh, rated in Savoir Magazine as Best of the Web. Really? Yeah, my little recipe there. So that's kind of a fun one. And Savour is not out of business. No, they're not. Not like <laughs> Romain. How could you go out of business? Um, it's interesting, though. 70 years. You know what I mean? Talk yeah. about like an icon. Like they have books they have shows videos they've yeah. got they got some really great they've shows got endorsements from lots of people they well it's not just that but it's also media as we know it is changing obviously as we're doing a podcast right. you know i mean people get their information very differently and also the company that owns gourmet also owns bon appetit and a few other magazines and so they've actually started to compete against themselves which wasn't very smart so uh i'm not exactly sure of all the logistics it, do- it definitely sucks that they went out of business so, so, 
Well, part of the problem is, uh, and I have to go through some I, paper. I have, well, I've got a piece of paper here that talks about well, this. You're not so. for Letterman. I think Letterman's the one who. Either that or the newscast. You know, at the end of the newscast, they don't yeah. put paper in. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Um, uh, this is the speaking of Michael uh, uh, Palin. Yes. Or Poland, or. <laughs> <laughs> there are two. I like them both. Michael Palin. Both wrote, of them really impressed one me. One wrote the albatross joke, the other one wrote about cows. He had cow. Bought a cow. Tasted cow. Bought a steer from yeah, exactly. So this is in the New York Times, uh, which is, and the article is called "Out of the Kitchen Onto the Couch," and um, it goes on and on. It's a very long article. It's uh, printed on my printer. It's fifteen pages, and uh, but here's the quote that I'm. Well, you're read not telling out. people using a hundred point font, though. No, I'm using a nice. Uh, it looks like fourteen. So anyway, here's. It goes on and on for like two, three paragraphs, and then it says, but here's what I don't get. How is it that we are so eager to watch other people browning beef cubes on the screen, but so much less eager to brown them ourselves? This is There's 100 million people that watch the Food Network every week. It's true. And uh, the, the gist of the article is, is that people are substituting actually cooking for watching. For and they're they're thinking, eating cheese whiz or not something. Eating, yeah, they're eating cheese whiz and, and popcorn and insert joke about porn here. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting though too because you know we live in a really different society even than twenty years ago. I mean, look at our different choices of most grocery stores. At least you know in the Bay Area we're really spoiled. You know, there's uh, some grocery stores where you walk in and you can get lost in just you know not just a cereal aisle, but you know some of the other aisles. There was just like amazing well, amounts. The pasta aisle, for example. I mean, it's unreal. And I mean, if you've ever been to Italy, <laughs> it's even more. So. But to really think about, like, you know, uh, sourcing out your ingredients and spending the time and, and, and enjoying that time. Because, I, I mean, I look at it as kind of a therapy where you're slowing down, you're kind of getting back to your roots. God, this would be really good with that. And, I mean, I have a really eclectic pantry at home, so forgive me. So, yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I work for myself at home. Yeah. And at the end of the day, a lot of times, it's nice to go over to to Real Foods or go down to North Beach. And, yeah. I mean, I just said... Uh, see what's there in the case. See what's... Real Foods or, or the butcher. See what's there in the case. Work around that. Go out, buy the vegetables, buy everything else. And, I mean, I was just at Rainbow Market and, you know, it's just amazing stuff. They don't have any meat there, but, you know, they have a lot of other great stuff. My and sister I mean, used to work right up 12th Street from there, and she'd shop there all the time, and she goes... <coughs> From a real job, she goes. You know, I'm going to retire. I'm going to open a butcher store across the street from from Rainbow. Yeah, that would be. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's the only problem. But at the same time, too, though, what they have is great. I mean, it's the best bulk and spice and foods. You know, I mean, they have just so many other crazy, crazy, crazy. I mean, like their chocolate aisle. Yeah, it's like twenty nine different kinds of chocolate, and then there's a whole other area. You're like, whoa, look at that. So, yeah, but it's always kind of fun. So. If, it, if you have the time and you can source some stuff out and you can, you know, spend a little bit more money, but, you know, you really get some really interesting products and then what you do with those products and, and you know, I am asking the listeners out there to think a little bit 
you know, think about what beers we like and what flavors you like in your beers and then how to express those in your food. I mean, that's what I tend to do with all the writing and all the dinners that I do and all these recipes that I have online, um, homebrewchef.com. And, uh, you know, when you go through and you try some of this stuff, you'll actually really start to see the complexities of how you can actually layer these things in and whether it's browning your meat or whatnot. Like, I mean, I brown lamb necks today, you know, for these. And they were delicious. Yeah, actually, yeah. You, you guys did get a little taste yeah. there. You proved that, once again, cuter the critter is, yeah. mm. is really... The, the but it's also lamb necks. I mean, it, it's an interesting thing because this particular dish that I'm doing for tomorrow night, you know, to braise these, these necks off... And you think about a neck, right? So there's a lot of very small muscle fibers in your neck, right. but it's all bone. There's marrow. There's some cartilage. There's a lot of other tissues outside of just the meat. And so all those good parts where you exactly. <laughs> and, and then what's great too is is that when you add that to some browned aromatics, and then you've added in some beer to that to glaze it, and then you slowly simmer it. Those were about five hours. Mm. And then you pull it all off, you're left with this great sauce. So we'll strain that out, and then we'll take that lamb meat, mix it in with some sautéed chanterelle mushrooms, some caramelized onions, and use that as a filling for some ravioli, which we have a porcini mushroom pasta dough. And then we'll put that sauce that we've strained and reduced down <coughs> over the top. And let me tell you, it'll be quite tasty. Wow. So um, I'm actually a huge fan of of the Robert Rodriguez film school, the 10 minute film school, but he also did a 10 minute cooking school. And sadly, oh, he? And, and sadly he only did two of them. Oh, he did. Uh, zombies? The, the, no, he did uh, pork pibil. Come on. That was a great movie. <laughs> it was a great movie. I know. I liked both of those double features. <laughs> I saw that at the red Vic, that movie. And, um, and it was perfect because it felt like a grindhouse. I was watching it on Blu-ray, and it has all these scratches and everything else. Yeah. I'm like, oh, this is classic. I just so. needed more. I needed, in both films, I needed one more reel missing. <laughs> so it was just like this big jump cut of, what happens? Yeah. I missed something. I think oh, I missed something. Right. I felt robbed. But, uh, yeah, the missing reel was, should have been. Yeah, it would be funny. It would have been would have been a thing uh, that would have made. My, but uh, I'm a big fan of of this idea that you um, that what Rodriguez is saying is is that you have a menu that of some things that you know how to make and you can make them well, so that when people come over they can say, "Oh, I would like to have that." Yes, and you can easily make it. You might have to go and get a part, but maybe not. Maybe it's in your freezer. Maybe it's ready to go. Maybe you or you say or people are coming over the next, you know, the night before, and you say, "Well, what would you like to have?" And you send them the menu, and then this, and then that. I mean, that's what's really kind of fun too, is because if you look at what what are you good at, what recipes grew up in your family outside right. of the the clumpy gravy and <laughs> no it's actually i have to say everything that i learned how to make awesome i learned how to make because i just there was the, re- the repetition and that really i mean we actually learned it's actually kind of interesting i was just doing some other research about why like tiger woods is so good at his golf swing and then if you look at that same concept it's all repetition your your brain actually the the synapses and all the different um high 
highways, if you will, in your brain that connects everything together, the more you use them, this coating actually starts to form the outside, and it's like it goes broadband. Right. And it just makes everything faster. And it's really interesting because I think about how I cook with food and how these ideas just pop into my head because I just think about this stuff all the time. Right. And it happens, and it's even like when I'm cooking, it's like, oh, I can do this, oh, I can do that, let's do this instead. And so it's all depending on what I'm doing and what flavors I'm trying to play up. And like today, I'm tasting these beers for the first time, even though I've designed the whole menu, but yet I can actually tweak each recipe to really accentuate those flavors in each beer to really make sure. I mean, I talked to, you know, Jesse and Sean about what does this taste like? And they tell me, and then at the same time, I'm like, okay, I can do this. And then boom. Oh, they didn't send you a test beer? Uh, I I had a, a a test beer of Monk's Blood, um, which was very nice, and then you'll be actually seeing that in a can very shortly. And let me tell you, it's oh, the sexiest it's so can you'll see. It's so exciting! It's <laughs> it's for any canned beer. It's gonna. I mean, I think it'll really change what you think about a, a beer in a can. It's uh, a lot of fun. Well, so, like ten ten fifty from. Um, yeah, it's it's along that lines, but even more complex. Yeah, I'm, so, I'm, just, I'm using that as the yeah. Uh, it's which it's is, a closest comparison you can make. So. Because that's possibly the most complex beer. This is from Oscar Blues. Yeah. Um, and it's a really excellent Imperial beer. Stout in yeah. a can, which mm. right there, 10% beer in a can. This is only 8.5% or 8.3%, but it's uh, really complex. We put figs and cinnamon and oak and vanilla beans into it, and uh, really, really complex. And so actually there'll be some recipes, too, with some of the food you can cook or pair with it. So it'll be kind of fun. Very cool. Do we get to drink it out of the can tomorrow night? No, sadly, the uh, December fourth. But we get the keg, so we're doing keg stands. No. <laughs> yes, we are. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So keg stands floating upside no, down. So Margarita party. <laughs> uh, no, so the I guess the the uh, the thing you know the idea of the repetition is that you you know a lot of people and this is what this article is pointing out is that is that uh, people don't they're so intimidated by cooking. And, you know, part of the thing... We all make mistakes. We all do, but... And also, if you learn from those mistakes, I mean, I still taste things where, like, and it's it's something I made, and, like, I could have done that better, or if I had done this different. And, I I mean, I'm my worst critic. So, if you can get over that part of being your worst critic and say, okay, I want to try this, and... But really, watch it. Look at when you're sautéing your onions, what color they're becoming, how it's smelling, how high the temperature is. Look at these different variables that you're adding in. And then look at what's happening here. I mean, you're converting those starches into sugars. You're getting a sweeter and sweeter onion. You get more complexity. You know, at a certain point, you burn them. You know, and as, yeah. as they get more golden brown, turn the heat down a little bit. You well, know, here's the other thing. Your, your chance of burning the the onions at a lower heat is actually much reduced than at a higher heat. Here's the so. other thing. Onions are cheap. And so you could get a bunch of oh, yeah. onions, chop them up, and but it's time. I mean, also, I mean, well, I think is, that's but, part of it too. But, is, is but, that? But the thing is that there's I there's a reason why there's so many fast food restaurants. There is. However, when I learned how to make an omelet, oh yeah, and you do it right, and eggs are cheap too. Yeah, eggs are cheap too. So when I learned how to make an omelet, I was terrified of the flip. <laughs> right. Oh, Put I'm some gonna... rice in your saute pan. No flame, no nothing, yeah, and practice I'll that just move. Practice that move, right? You know, well, you've seen it on Top Chef. You've seen it on the Food I Network. I didn't know that trick, but I flipped. 
you know, I I made I made I want to say you became 60. Eggman. I made I made Eggman. I was uh, I made sixty omelets until I had that perfected. Wow. You know, but like I lived in the Midwest. A lot of huevos. I lived in the Midwest. Eggs 60. were like a buck, a, <laughs> like a buck a dozen, and you know the idea of buying a you know a buying one hundred and twenty eight eggs to make omelets was kind of foreign to everybody because they're like what you're just going to throw the eggs away i'm like yeah why wouldn't i it's 12 dollars. that's why i make joe special you have to flip it (laughs) (laughs) i like to make hash brands from scratch (laughs) as you should yes potatoes are cheap too (laughs) yes damn. just rinse them off a few times first but there's a get that start I don't know. there's just a, that that's the whole thing is, is is that the things that I know how to make uh, and I know how to make well I've made them literally hundreds of times well and that's a big difference so that I'm not afraid of the flip nor should you be <laughs> but yeah I mean that's where it's also you know I mean anytime you know it takes a little bit more time and a little bit more energy but also this is where you know it's kind of fun because I mean I always get a real kick out of and this is one of the reasons why I cook they have friends and family over and have them have just this amazing meal and at the end of the meal like people are like wow what a great time yeah. and I find if you have really good food and really good drink a good evening always happens. I mean, it's really hard to mess up that formula. It's really weird. <laughs> I mean, if it's really bad food, well, okay, everybody left. Hmm. You know, but at the same time, too, learn from that experience and say, hey, what can I do better? Or make it a potluck so you only have to make one dish instead of five dishes, right. you know? But you have to do five dishes. Just do a big thing of macaroni and cheese and make everybody happy, you know? Hey, speaking of mac and cheese, <gasps> when are we yes. going to have that? When are we going to have the mac and cheese off? I don't know. Gabby was supposed to organize this. We were supposed to already have. Hey, she's a slacker. This. That's all I can tell you. So I can't wait. So yeah, I've been practicing the mac and cheese, lobster macaroni and cheese, lobster mac and cheese. Actually, I've been doing one of the prawns. It's pretty tasty. Oh, you know what? You're just trying to intimidate them. You're just throwing <laughs> that out there. No, yeah, I'm, whatever. Venison mac and cheese. Yes. Well, with I was just going to do ham. ham <laughs> done that. I was I was once tasked with perfecting, making better mac and cheese than uh, Nova. Oh, oh wow! Nova's make makes really good mac, mac right and now. cheese. And I've been cheese watching a trees. couple things, and I have a couple ideas now. Ham and cheese and trees. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, mac and cheese is is uh, there's there's two things that are that are key to mac and cheese, as far as I'm cheese concerned. and mac, <laughs> cheese and mac. <laughs> No, the crust. Yes, the 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 bake on the top. The it's got to be on the, top. the bake on the top has to be you know, panko breadcrumbs. Yep. I was liking there. And actually, uh, I did one not too long ago just because I saw it on the Food Network. I thought it was kind of a good. You idea. actually made something from watching TV. Well, I I, I took the concept. I put uh, uh, cheese its broken up cheese its on top. Oh. It wasn't as I mean it it had been so long since I've actually had a cheese it that I actually forgot what they tasted They're like. Horrible. They've got a lot of citrus. Citrus, citric acid flavor to them. Yeah, they weren't actually as cheesy as I remember them yeah. as a kid, and I was yep. actually kind of like, man, I should have used goldfish. The last, but I'm the sure last time I had it, it's like you can taste the citric acid in them. Yeah, like, huh? Yeah. So yeah, so just a new recording. 
But yeah, I mean, I do recommend that people start looking at flavors and, and uh, ingredients and what that will add to food and to really think about, you know, wh- what flavors we like in our beer and how to incorporate those into our our food. And, and uh, that's why I cook with beer. It's a lot of fun. It's a great liquid. It's sweet. It's sour. It's malty. malty it's, hoppy, it's hoppy. It's spicy. There's, there's, it's and and unlike cooking with wine, which has I don't know three or four variations of of that, uh, you've got forty styles at least, plus all the variations of thereof. A lot of fun. Like doing a uh, like doing a uh, uh, a reduction of of a cherry lambic. That's a great thing to do. Pour that over cheesecake. Yum. Or ice cream. Or ice cream. Or, or waffles. Crepes. Or waffles. Or crepes. Waffles would be good, too. Wait till you try the waffles that we did for tomorrow night. I can't wait. Oh. I made the batter today. It's going to sit overnight with yeast. So it's a real authentic Belgian waffles. Wow. Okay. So this is worth every penny of the $95 I spent. Um, and all the beers you're going to get, too. So the, the last thing I want to talk about is your... Your pancakes. Oh, the consecration pancakes. Consecration pancakes. God, I got what a lot of crap about that. Why? You're going to cook with consecration? Of Vinny loves you it are. when I cook with his beers. Of course. <laughs> he does, uh, or I do a duck dish where I take duck legs, uh, the cherries actually that he uses in supplication, uh-huh. and consecration, some thyme and some bay leaf, and braise those together. Put that over a parsnip or a celery root puree, and it's just, oh, it's dreamy, dreamy, dreamy. Dreamy, dreamy. Just melts in your mouth. So There's the so pancakes, many layers. The pancakes look super thin. Uh, they, actually, they, that was before I flipped them, so I just poured the batter on that one. It was just it's with still, the They still don't. No, they actually, they got pretty fluffy. Okay. Um, they were probably a good quarter to a half inch thick. That's a thick pancake. It was pretty thick, and actually, they were really light and fluffy because of the carbonation. Because of um, the, the carbonation of the Yeah, beer. and then it was actually great, too, because I really got a nice... There was a hint of malt, and then a lot of that current kind of oaky cab flavors uh-huh. that you get with that beer really came through, and it's like you almost didn't even need any syrup or jam or anything on there. But, yeah, uh, but I can imagine, like, the... I put some strawberry jam, and it was awesome. But if I had some cherry syrup or cherry jam on top, oh, I would have been just in heaven. You know what? So I actually put that on Did my Did you hear Facebook about the page. waffles I had the last? The, uh, okay, so the uh, the uh, Noir de Blanc. Uh-huh. Yeah, which I is the, that the, today. Which is the uh, Belgian-style beer that That's 21A it, made. It's a black wit. Yeah, a black wit. Uh, and it has... Uh, craziness it's crazy because it's coriander and orange and and chocolate chocolate. so it's like ah what a no-brainer there i know but it's like it's like the the peanut butter cup but got smashed in beer almost you got wit in my beer (laughs) i mean in my chocolate you got chocolate (laughs) in my wit wit. (laughs) Mm. before this my chocolate was witless so Ah! so based on based on the pre-research for this show like when i started thinking about this um I had Matt, the sous chef, uh-huh. do a reduction of that. Could be good, and it was good, and it came out awesome, and uh, and it was uh, it went on my waffles. Now, one thing too with any beer reduction, because beers actually make great syrups over pancakes and whatnot. Um, hoppy beers don't work as well. Nope. Um, and then when you reduce, actually reduce over a very low heat so you don't burn okay. because you can actually... Oh, right. You would get the... As, as you're doing the Maillard reaction, it happens very quickly. The Maillard reaction? 
That's where or you said Malliard. <laughs> the Mallard Ranch. I'm a little fucking on those lately. <laughs> the, um, but as you're reducing the beer down, if you have it on too high of a heat, you'll actually start to um, caramelize the sugars in the beer too quickly, and it will burn very quickly. So if you turn down the heat, take a little bit more time, and then save uh, like a good couple tablespoons at the very end, and then add that back in, and that will freshen the whole beer up because you'll oh, get a little bit more up. flavor of that beer versus just being all syrupy and rich. That makes sense. So I would not a have thought trick. about. I would not have thought about putting that back in. A lot of people don't. Well, because I'm not going to. Well, here's the idea. That's why I'm, if a I'm doing. That's redu- why I get paid to do this. If I'm going <laughs> to do, a, if I'm going to do a reduction of this cherry lambic, yes, I'm going to be drinking the cherry lambic while reducing it. If you choose, so, then you get two two bottles. <laughs> because remember, two oh, is to reduce. Right, we're, right, we're, we're reducing the whole bottle. Usually. All 12 ounces. So if we do the normal reduction, we're going to get three out of it, right? Uh-huh. Huh? get three out of it? Well, if, no. If I have if I have a 12-ounce bottle, I'm, am I going to reduce it to half or am I going to reduce it to syrup? Depends on what you're using it for. I mean, if you're doing it over pancakes or if you're going to put it into a cheesecake, you're going to reduce it down to like a tablespoon or two. That's far. Yeah. I That's actually, long. I actually used to make ice cream for a living, and actually I would get Tide House's oatmeal stout, mm. and I would get 10 gallons and fill up my brew pot, and then slowly simmer it for a day and a half down to one gallon, and then just like you would do like a demi-glass that we talked about earlier, and then we would put in about a cup of that in with about three gallons of ice cream base, so like your milk and your cream and your eggs and your sugar, and that was actually enough to totally get the flavor of oatmeal stout all the way through the whole ice cream. Wow. But if you think about it, beer has a lot of water, and water dilutes the flavor. So, And then ice cream is also frozen, therefore it numbs your taste buds, so you have to actually have a stronger flavoring ice cream. That's a lot to think about. Sorry. Sounds like a good dessert. It does. It was very good. Well, the best part about beer school is the homework. Cook with beer. That's it. Cook with beer. For Thanksgiving. Well, dude, you haven't... Okay, so we're going to make it a little bit easier to do the homework. Go to my so, website. So go to Paxton's website, homebrewchef.com, and... Have you registered the URL Paxton's website? No. <laughs> yes, I have. <laughs> Obviously. My lawyer's on it right now. We'll do, it right, we'll do it after the show. Paxton'sWebsite.com. Um, no, go to go to Sean Paxton's website, which is Homebrew Chef. <laughs> Damn that we double bastard! This. You double we bastard! Just said this. <laughs> we just I'm having deja vu. It's all over again. Homebrewchef.com. Um, and there's there are not one, not two, not three, but a bunch of recipes that are all brewing beer related beer and related ho- homebrew also making sodas and uh, the recipe for and i'm actually working on actually redoing my website so hopefully in the next month it'll be done um i don't know why you have to change it oh wait till you see 2.0 nice 
there'll be a calendar there'll be updates there'll be what's on tap what's, what's up and coming yeah no that Under i'm not going to instruction do. flashers uh no they'll be like that little worker guy yeah you know? the little no. worker guy throwing um, throwing bits over his shoulder yeah, yeah bits <laughs> uh no i'll actually have um some new content i mean i have about 70 pages of new stuff that i can pop on there at any time of just awesome. different projects i've been doing but also a whole bunch of new recipes and then also a whole bunch of media clips and even like how to trust a turkey and how to tie up a roast and how to debone a turkey or a chicken all that will be all on video so a lot of real fun stuff up and coming video (coughs) menus and then also where to hit my next dinner yeah, your next dinner is tomorrow night. Can't wait. I it think is it's not sold out yet. Uh, no, I think it's sold out now. Finally. Uh, well, it's you know, I mean, I do understand the economy and ninety five bucks, and but I mean, I do make it worth. Ninety five bucks only seems expensive beforehand. But think about like when you go to a nice dinner. Yeah. You know, I mean, you could have a bottle of wine that's ninety five dollars. You could have beer. And you'll get, you know, probably, what, eight different beers at the end of the evening yeah. that you've, you know, a few of which you'll never try outside of what's there. And and uh, plus, you know, all the food that goes with it. And then I think with the time of year, it'll be really kind of a nice... And dessert. It will be. We didn't even talk about dessert, but... No. Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not going to. Nope. If you want dessert, here's dessert. Get some blue cheese. Get a barbecue potato chip. <laughs> Smash the two together. There you go. Dessert. I love. I luckily live two blocks from the original Swenson's, the one that's still like family owned. Oh, there you go. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. <laughs> right. You won't need ice cream after my dinner. The back. The back. I love it. You look in the back room, and there are all these little jars on the shelves of all the different flavors and stuff like that. Cool. Um, anyway, so uh, definitely change. You have enough time at this point. This is the the urgency of the show is that there's enough time to actually. Change your Thanksgiving dinner. Yes. To include making things that you're going to serve on the table with beer. And not just out of a can. And not just not just out of those disgusting yeah, things out of a can. I'm going to bring you a can of cranberry sauce tomorrow night. <laughs> and you're welcome to, and I might just leave it there. And some other lucky open person. open it up and <sighs> Don't overcook the vegetables. That's the other thing. Blanch, shock, reheat. Yep. Done. It's like the magic sauteed spinach at a Steam U.S. Them. restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> Steam them. I don't know. All right. So, uh, <laughs> what else? We're out of beer. That's the sucky thing. If we're out of beer, we're out of here. Boom. Done. <laughs> we only have one last thing to say on beer school, and that is... Class, class dismissed! <laughs> Yay. That's it. Yay. I'm hungry. Me too. I don't know why. I'm coughing. I can't believe how hungry I am. Did you not fill out the disclaimer? I put it in front of you. The disclaimer? This food, this this show, this show might make, make you hungry. Might, yeah. You know what? Maybe that's the name of the show. I this go show ha- might make you hungry. I want to go have some nice cavity stuffing. <laughs> All moist and we make semolina. Tea. Or, uh, we you know, if I was on Twitter, tea. I would Twitter some cavity stuffing Thanksgiving night just for you and you could and i might read it and just laugh you know i'm not a fan of cavity stuffing either i just i i don't like it i you know it it's it just put plastic or uh, um aluminum foil on top of your stuffing pan and you'll recreate that same flavor but it's just it takes longer 
for the the turkey to heat and it you are potentially making a bacterial you know because four hours six hours to cook a turkey depending on you know because it actually takes almost another 45 minutes with the stuffing because it's not cooking from the inside out it's all from the outside in all the way primordial You've made a primordial oven inside the turkey. Well, but but by having the open cavity, right? It 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 has the, the heat, heat convection can go right. in and go back through. Um, where when you have stuffing, it takes longer, and also that stuffing, depending on what temperature it is, when it goes in, it, it's keeping it all right at that danger zone, one hundred and forty to forty degrees. Primordial stuffing. Mm, <laughs> it keeps on giving. <laughs> nice. That uh, tired feeling that you're feeling after eating it is not from the turkey. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there you go, John. Hey, kid. Set an alarm clock. So, uh, I forgot. I have one last thing. The homework. No, no. This is... This is... um, The after-after show? This is the after-after show. You know, the kid has been sent home. His mom picked him up. He's but, waiting patiently. Yeah, he was. But um, I have something for you. It's a gift. Oh, I know what so it is. So do you know what this is? I do now. Yeah, so this is the... Uh, wow. This wow. is Saucer Full of <laughs> Secrets, the very first time that it was poured at Tornado. The sign that the was sign on the wall. That was on the wall. And uh, it was going to get taken cool. down. And I was like, oh, can I have that? And like, no. I'm like, no, no, no. Just the... Like, I don't want the... The wood the part. Thing, yeah, just I just sign. want the the sign part, and so this goes back to about a year ago, I think. No, this is two years. So anyway, I saved that. Nice. And, uh, yeah, that's right. You've had this all the time. I forgot about. Yeah, that. and uh, so I thought that that would See be how really for years. Yeah. This would be really awesome for the top of your fridge in your in your garage. Actually, my or I'm sure you have a my bar is actually called the water heater because I have a big giant water heater in the middle of my bar. So <laughs> I have it's a perfect placement for many different articles of labels and stickers that happen to relate to beer. So some people use a refrigerator. I use my water heater, and this is going on my water heater. Nice. Right yeah. on the top. Anyway, uh, but that awesome. was a that, that was a you fun can see beer. you know you can see how they're put together. I mean, they're they're I torn on needs by eleven by seventeen printer. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> it's like yeah, that was not easy to actually put together. No, that's somebody like five has, pieces of paper for something that's like seventeen inches long. <laughs> they just need a new hmm. printer. Hmm. They just need something different. But the spacing's pretty good, actually. The, the, the kerning. The kerning. Yeah, you would never perfect. know that it was printed on five pieces of paper. So and it has the holes for where it was was it's hanging. Actually tacked on. Nice. Aw, thanks, John. They do well. cut it nice and square. They sure do. Anyway. Like they have a paper cutter or something. Yeah, it's, it's decent. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they probably have a... Well, no. Well, yeah, they probably put it on the paper cutter. It's fantastic. Chop, chop. Wait. It smells like your cookies. 